Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Well, Merry Christmas. It's interesting, first service, I got pretty choked up. I had a hard time with my words because, to be quite honest with you, there was a part of time in this year that I didn't even know if we were going to have church anymore this year. And we ended up having to cancel Easter, and we had literally been talking about, like, what are we going to do if we have to do this? And I found out something. COVID can't stop Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so we're here to celebrate Jesus. That was like three people that clapped. I thought we would have way more. Let's try it. COVID can't stop Jesus. Let's try that again. Okay. That's way better. So if you're a guest here at Journey, we want to say thanks for visiting with us. Uh, we would love to have you come back. We have services here um, all the time. And so <laughs> it's one of those deals where we're excited to see you. As Lindsay's already said, it's already been mentioned up front, we're in a series called Christmas Classics. And it's interesting because over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at some of my favorite movies and we've been taking truth. But I'll be honest with you, the reason we're doing this is because we've lived in a really, really weird year, haven't we? And we've had no stability. We have no, nothing concrete and so when we were sitting there talking about this in the creative team, we're like, we just need to give our people something that they can just kind of, you know, sink their teeth in and go, okay, this feels like Christmas. And so we started talking about these things. And I remember one of the first movies that came up is the one we used in week one was, was Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Who doesn't like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, right? I mean, like, it's an, did he raise his hand that he doesn't like Rudolph? And so it's one of my favorites, and I love it because it's kind of a misfit, a story of a misfit, which a lot of us can understand. A lot of us are misfits in the world that we live in, a misfit with a red nose. But he comes to the rescue, right? The day, the, the night was all foggy, and he, they weren't sure they were going to get the presents out. But what we took from that was this. That in the Bible, honestly, the Bible's filled with stories of misfits that people use somehow or another. And one of the greatest ones is the story of Mary. And God used a normal, young, teenage girl to bring the king of kings into the world. And the reason that, that God used and decided to use her was one simple thing. She was available. She said yes. And we talked about what would happen if we said yes to everything that God wants us to do. What would the world look like if we said yes? And we too, we looked at the Grinch, another one of my favorites, the Grinch that stole Christmas. And we looked at how he had tried to steal the presents from Whoville. And, and, and he thought for some reason if he stole the presents that they were gonna cancel Christmas and they wouldn't have Christmas. And they realized that it wasn't the presence, it was actually their, 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 their friends and their families and all that kind of stuff that actually made Christmas what it was. And we talked about this. There's lots of things that people around us can steal. They can steal our, our joy sometimes. They can steal our, you know, just our, our, our kind of confidence. The boss can steal it. The world can steal it. Politics can steal it. Racial tensions, all that stuff can steal it. But Jesus can't be stolen. It's the greatest gift that ever was given, was the gift and the presence of Jesus Christ. And last week, Pat did an amazing job, and I was a little jealous because I was really wanting to do Elf. Like, that was one of the ones that I picked out, and he ended up doing Elf. And it was one, you know, was that, that, the search, like, I'm over the, the rainbow and over this, and trying to find, like, oh, I hope you find your fault. You know, I'm like, wow, I love this movie. There was one word that Pat used over and over last week, and it resonated all week long with his, the word expectation. And we just read about that. That's what Lindsay just read about. There was an expectation thousands of years before Jesus came. In Isaiah chapter 9, the expectation was there was going to be a Messiah. And thousands of years later, that expectation is what we're here to celebrate. The expectation that the Messiah, God with us, was going to come. The Lamb of God, who would take away the sins of the world, was going to come and be part of this earth. 
And today you've already heard it several times. We're going to talk about, and I'll be honest with you, I was actually going a different direction. I was going to go my favorite Christmas movie, which is everybody in this room's favorite Christmas movie, Christmas Vacation. (laughs) And I was going to talk about the blessing, the blessing. Every time we get together as a family, my nephew goes, I'll say, hey, you want to say the blessing? He goes, the blessing. I pledge allegiance. <laughs> We're going to talk about another one of my favorites, Charlie Brown. And it, it is. It's one of those movies. And I don't care what scene, it's filled with scenes. I mean, it's filled with things that every time I, I look at it, Gina leaned over to me. She was like, I don't even remember seeing this. Like, I've watched it twice or three times just this week, getting ready for this week. It's just, it's just, it's anyway, I, I love the story where Linus kind of comes in the, and everything comes to focus and they put the big spotlight and he tells the real meaning of Christmas. That's like, it's amazing. I love when they're having the party. I love it when, when Charlie Brown walks out and he sees Snoopy with the number one, you know, the, 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 he won the contest for the, you know, the, the, the de- decoration. I love it. But none of them hold a candle. None of them hold anything to the scene when Charlie Brown walks out and he has that little, 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 little tree, that little sad and anorexic looking tree, that little sad looking like, oh, Charlie, pick a better one out. And he puts it on the ground and he tries to put that ornament on and I love the line. He says, I think I killed it. And then Linus comes out. And it's my favorite line of the whole, the whole show. And he says, Charlie Brown's tree isn't as bad as, as we thought it was. And he says this line, all it needs is a little love. Now, I don't know if the writers are believers or not, but that the, that's the essence of the gospel. That's, that's the essence of what we're celebrating today. That God looked down at this creation. He said, all they need. Because you know something? At creation, if you remember the story, he looked down at Adam and Eve and he said, that's good. That's really good. And then they messed up. And ever since that period of time, he's been trying to restore that relationship between creator and creation. He's done everything he possibly could. And he looks down and he says, all they need is a little bit of love. And the only way I can bring that, the only way I can do that is by sending Jesus Christ to demonstrate how much I love the world. I mean, it's the essence of everything we believe. John 3, 16. If you're not familiar with church, this is probably the most familiar passage in the Bible. Now, maybe if you've watched the sporting event, you've seen the guy with the crazy hair and he holds the sign up. And it says this, it's, it's John 3, 16. For, for God so loved the world. God, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish. And sometimes it's not what you read, it's what you don't read that makes more sense. And we live in a world, and I think honestly, the world looks at the church sometimes and thinks all we do is condemn them. All we do is say all the bad things that the world does. And if I'm reading the scripture correctly or not reading, you know, not reading what, what's being said, he's saying, I love the world. I love every bit of it. I love all the messes and I love all the mishaps and I love all the problems. And that's why I sent my, sent my son. And in verse 17 is the forgotten verse because we forget sometimes. And we look at God and, and, and people outside the church look at the church and go, all they talk about is all the bad things, all the things they're against. And verse 17 says this, for God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world may be saved through him. I was thinking about this because that, that word love is everything that we stand for. If you're, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer today in Jesus Christ, if you're here celebrating not just the baby Jesus, but the resurrected Jesus. Because honestly, 
There's bazillions of people that have been born, but there's only been one sent to a cross and rose from the grave. Just one. And that's what we're here celebrating today. But the primary difference between Christianity and other religions is one word. It's the word, it's the word love. And I, I don't care who you talk to. You can talk to anybody that you come on the street, like people that have never even gone to church and you go, what is Christianity meaning? What do you think Christians should do? And they all say this, the same kind of thing. They said they should be loving. That's a, that's a staple of what Christianity should be. And all through the Bible, it's interesting because when I think about Christianity and I think about like world religions, I think about Christianity this way. You know, it's the only, it's the only religion that the founder or the deity sacrificed for its creation Everything else is the other way around. If you look at world religions, it's everybody sacrificing for that person or that, that deity. I'm gonna do all these things. See, that's what makes Christianity stand above everything else. I mean, the founder, the founder of the religion went to the cross. He sacrificed for us. That's what we're here celebrating. Yes, I'm celebrating a baby Jesus in a manger. But man, I'm telling you, this guy right here needed the resurrected... I needed somebody to do something for me that I couldn't do for myself, and that's die on a cross and restore with my creator. Even the founder said this. I mean, Jesus said this. In Matthew chapter 22, 37, he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And he says, this is the first and greatest commandment. And then he says this, and the second is like this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments, everything, everything falls. Everything depends on the law and the prophets. He said, everything is wrapped up in these things. Love God and love people. John 13, 35, Jesus, this is what Jesus said. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. There again, it's one of those things. It's not what I read, it's what I don't read. The very essence of what we are here for, what we're celebrating is the fact that Jesus died because he loves us. Love is what makes Christianity unique. And it's the one thing that everyone, everyone knows that we should be about. I asked a young man a couple weeks ago, actually, he asked me a question. He wants to be a, a pastor. And so he took me out to lunch and he said, you know, what do you think, what do you think a good pastor, what's a, you know, what's a, what's a good pastor doing? I asked, I kind of revert the question. I said, well, what do you think? When you think of a pastor, what do you think the role of a pastor should be? And he had, he had great answers. He said, we should be, we should be um, organized. A pastor should be organized and they should be innovative and they should be friendly and they should be, you know, they should be a gatherer and they should be you know, an attractor and they should be all these different things. And it was interesting because two weeks later, he calls me up and he said, can I talk to you about, you know, like something bothered me. And I said, oh, did I say something wrong? He goes, no, he said, it's what you didn't say. You didn't say anything. When, when, when I asked that question, and then you turned around and asked me back, you never said one time what you thought was, a, was an attribute or what was the characteristics of a pastor. And I said, listen, man, I believe all those things that you said. You need to know Bible inside. You need to know, you need to be able to study. You need to be able to share. You need to be able to, but you know, the number one thing, the number one thing above all that stuff, above being attractional, above being a good communicator, the number one thing is you have to love people. You know Why? because that's what Jesus did. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Constantly, over and over and over and over again. Our goal is not, here, let me just tell you something. Our goal is not just to feel love. Our goal is to do love. It, it, that's why Jesus came. All, all week long, I've been thinking about this. Why did he come? Did he come just so we can celebrate a baby in a manger? No. He came so we can celebrate everything. John 10, 10, I want to give you life and I want to give you life to the fullest. Not just one day a year either, by the way. He wants us 365. He wants us to have life abundantly every day of our lives. 
So Jesus came, and it's interesting, Jesus came so we would know what love is, so we would know what love looks like, so we could define love, so we can understand what love is about. And you want to, the real proof of love is not what you do, it's what he's already done for us. That's the real proof of love. Now, I'm, I'm going to help us define something tonight. I'm going to help us define love. Because I think it, 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 it's clarified by two things. And the first thing is this. Love requires a sacrifice. I can't tell my wife I love her. I can't tell my kids that I love them. And there not be corresponding actions that, that, that demonstrate my love. I have to demonstrate my love. It goes all the way back in the Old Testament. Abraham, he's got this promised son, Isaac. He'd been promised that he's going to have, his offspring was going to be as plentiful. He said, look at the stars. Your offspring's going to be as plentiful as the stars of the sky. And then you know what he does? He asks him to sacrifice him because love requires a sacrifice. Love required Jesus to go to the cross, to die for us. It was a sacrifice. 1 John 4, 7 says it like this. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not, lo- uh, does not love does not know God because God is love. This is where it gets really good. In this, the love of God was made manifest. So it was shown among us that God sent his son, his only son into the world, that he may live through him. Verse 10 says, and this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. That's a big word, isn't it? Propitiation. We don't understand what that word is. It's, it's a really, it's a law term. And it really means something totally different than a lot of us think. It means this. It means to regain someone's favor. It means that you were out of favor with someone and now you're in favor with them. Or maybe you had done something wrong and now you have made amends for it. That's what propitiation. Jesus is saying right here, or John's saying this about Jesus. He's saying Jesus has become a propitiation. He's become the one that brings you back into favor with God. So many times we've done it by ourselves. We've, we've tried it by our own works. The only way it works is when we understand who Jesus Christ is. Sacrifice is the heart of the gospel. I'm going to give you maybe something that you've never heard before. We, because of sin, have been separated from God. We're sinners by, I've done this before, we're sinners by, by birth and by choice. We were born into the lineage of Abraham, I mean, Adam and Eve. And because of that initial sin, it fell on us. But we are also sinners by choice. We make a choice every day to either walk in sin or walk away from sin. Let me ask you a question. How many people in this room have lied before? Raise your hand. Keep keep your hands up. How many people have ever ever said a dirty word? Keep your hands up. How how many people have ever said a wordy dirt? Raise your hands real high. How many people have ever looked at the neighbor's goat and said, I'm going to covet that goat? Keep your hands up. How many people have ever said, maybe it's not a goat. Maybe it's a car. Or maybe it's a boat. Now, everybody that raised their hand at any point of that, raise your hand back up. Raise your hand back. Y'all are jacked up. This is the most sinful church I've ever been a part of. And you want to know something? We're sinful from birth and by choice. And that's why we needed a propitiation. We needed somebody to make amends. Because in our sinful state, there is no way we can approach a holy God, a perfect God. So he came in our place and, it's a, and required a sacrifice. His love demonstrated how much we were worth. Another thing, if you want to define love, love replace, replaces fear with security. You know, one of the things, I, I said this to somebody on our staff the other day. I had a conversation with somebody on our floor last Sunday. It was like, you know, 
All these things are bad. You know, you know what I think? What's the biggest struggle we have right now? Is fear. We don't know who to trust anymore. I don't care what it is about. I don't care if it's about COVID. I don't care if it's about racial tension. I don't care if it's about politics. I don't care. We just don't know how to. And so fear has driven us to confusion. And so we don't even know what's right and wrong anymore. So we're kind of we're in this limbo right here. And you want to know something? When I have confidence, and I say this a lot, when I have confidence in Christ, I'm not putting my confidence in politics. I'm not putting my, listen, hear me on this. I'm not putting my confidence in the Republican Party or the Democrat Party. I'm not putting my confidence in a president. I'm not putting my confidence in something that CNN is saying. I'm putting my confidence in the only thing I can trust, and that's God's holy scriptures that say that we have a God that wants our best and has our best interest. I was not voting for the King of Kings. He already came one time. Love replaces fear with security. Listen to what John says again, verse 17. By this, love perfected within us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is also, we are in the world. Watch this. He says, there is no fear in love, but perfect fear, perfect love casts out all fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not, not been perfected in love. Listen, you know, there's another passage. I can hear what you're saying. Somebody's going there. Well, the Bible says we should fear the Lord. Whole different definition of fear. That's a holy reverence. That's in knowing where I stand and where God stands. And that the only way I can come and meet him is through Jesus Christ. He doesn't call us to fear. I, years ago, I was 17 years old. I worked in New Jersey. I was, was going to go to school to be a landscape architect. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to get as much knowledge as I could about plant material and all that kind of stuff. So when I got to the school, I'd be ready to go. So I worked at this place called Princeton Nurseries. I had the worst boss. I, you can complain about your boss all you want. I had the worst boss in the whole world. We would literally walk up one day and we would all get fired. The whole crew. And the next day, he would call us all up and he would hire us. He was the most schizophrenic, bipolar person I've ever met in my life. And so there was times, literally, we would walk to work and wonder if we had a job or a paycheck coming. And it's funny. There was times where I didn't know where I stand with him because he was angry all the time. You know, a lot of people think of God that way. They think that God is this God, this vengeful God that he's just waiting up there. Like, like we're just little gnats or little flies around him. We're just, he's got this holy fly swatter and we're just waiting for him. And it, you know, the one with the target. And he gets tens every time he hit no. But you know, that's how some people view God. Some people view God as this really mean, this deity that's just waiting to get, get you know, kind of get the best of you. When we know who Jesus is, we have security and we don't have to live in fear. One of my favorite parts of the Charlie Brown Christmas story, and we set the stage for this. They're arguing about what Christmas is about. Nobody can figure it out. Linus stands up there, right? The spotlight gets on him. What does Linus have everywhere he goes? He's got his blanket, right? That little blue blanket. Everywhere he goes. Charlie Brown makes fun of him. Lucy makes fun of him. I think even Snoopy makes fun of him. Now, here's the weird thing. I don't know how old he is in this. He looks to be 10 or 12. A little old for a blanket. Like, and in one scene, I don't know if y'all remember, he sticks his finger in his mouth like, mm. like, okay, bro, we, we got some counseling sessions that we got to go through. Like, there's some, I don't know, it's rigid potty training. I don't know what it's from, but like, we're going to walk through this. You're 45 and doing that, you're strange, right? You're, you're six, you're fine. Okay, so he's, he's holding it. 
Do you know the only time he drops the blanket? There's two times in the movie he drops the blanket. It's the one time where he's telling the story and he gets to the part and he says, fear not. And he drops the blanket. The other time is when he wraps the Christmas tree up. Now, I don't know, I said this already, I don't know if they were believers, I don't know where they stood with Jesus, I don't know any of that. I find it pretty ironic though that he's telling the Christmas story of why Jesus came. He gets to the fear not part. Because in the world we're living in, we live in fear. We're living in fear if we're gonna get COVID or who's gonna get COVID or who's gonna die from COVID. Just today, just today, eight or 10 messages of people from our church that have come down with COVID. Parents, friends, there's fear. Fear's coming. But when I know who Jesus is, I can drop the blanket and I don't have to put my security in that. See, the, the birth of Jesus separates us from our fears. The birth of Jesus frees us from the habits that we're unwilling and sometimes unable to let go. The, 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 the birth of Jesus allows me to simply drop the false security that I've put in things outside and put them in Jesus. What, what's that blanket for you? I want you to know this. Jesus came to demonstrate love so we wouldn't have to fear. There's another thing he came and this is bigger than the first one because I think he came to define what love is, but I think Jesus came so we can experience love. I have a friend of mine that's a doctor and he's been a doctor for 20 years or so. And I was having lunch with him a couple weeks ago and I asked him a question. I said, how many people fail out of being doctors? And he said, what do you mean how many people fail out? I said, well, how many people actually make it through? Like, I, I, I wanna go to a doctor that made it through. Anybody else? Like, I, I wanna know which one. They, have to, they should have a big sign. I failed like several classes or something. I don't want a doctor that went to school and acted like me in school. Anybody else follow me? So I said, so what, you know, because Bobby, it happens all the time. He said, but you know what's amazing to me? He says, there's so many guys that I've worked with and walked through and even in school with me, they have, they're brilliant. I mean, they are absolutely brilliant. They can, they can tell you everything about, you know, your body. They can tell you every, every, where every, everything is, where every part is. He said, but they get to the practical part where they have to actually do a little scalpel on, and it's a cadaver. It's not even gonna move or anything, right? It's not like it's gonna squirm when you do anything. Like, they get to it and they can't even, they're shaking so hard that they can't even do anything. I said, well, what happens to them? He goes, they fail out and they become teachers. That's what he said. They fail out and they become teachers because they can't. And you know what I'm realizing? They have the knowledge, but they don't have the experience. They have the knowledge, they know all the stuff, but they, they don't have the experience. And you know what I realized? That's the same in the world of of Faith. There's lots of people that have the knowledge of Jesus, but they don't have the experience with Jesus. They've never one time bent, bent a knee to Jesus. They've never one time had a conversation with him. The Bible says in the Old Testament, if you honestly seek me out, you will find me. I think there's lots of people that know all the stuff. They have all the answers to everything. They'll fight with you about theology. They'll do all that stuff. Many people know the stuff. Many people, listen, I bet you there's people watching right here. I bet you there's people down at Sherwood. I bet you there's people that are watching online. I bet you there's people in the atrium. You can tell the creation story better than anybody at this church. You know the theology of the creation story. You know that in six days he did this and the seventh day he rested and the order of everything he did, you will argue to your blue in the face about it, but you've never had an experience with Jesus. You can tell all the stories about Adam and Eve. You can tell the stories. I had an argument with a person one time because he was like, you can't call it a snake, it was a serpent. I'm like, shut up, who cares? They argue with me, blue in the face. I said, do you know Jesus? No, I don't know Jesus. They know all the stuff. 
They can tell you about Abraham. They can tell you the promise that Abraham that looked up in the sky. They can tell you that Abraham didn't have a child until he was late in life. They can tell you that he walked up a hill and he was going to sacrifice. They can tell you all the stories. They can tell you about Moses standing in front of Pharaoh and saying, let my people go. They can tell you about the staff when he put it in his cloak and he pulled it out and was a snake. They can tell you that he stood in front of the Red Sea and he lifted it up and it parted and all the Egyptians drowned. They can tell you all the stories about the promised land, but they never had an experience with Jesus. They can tell you how big the boat is, how wide the boat is, how many animals were on the boat. They can tell you everything, but they never had an experience with Jesus. And my fear is, my fear is there's lots of people in this world that we live in that know it here, but don't know it here. Jesus came so we can experience Christmas, so we can experience Jesus. Verse seven. He says, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Not a head knowledge, not a book knowledge, not just knowing a couple Bible studies. That he's number one in our lives, that he's, he's living and he's present. The only way we can live is when we live that experience out firsthand. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight says this. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. It's not by your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works that none of us can boast. I want you to understand something real quick. God loves us so much. God loves you so much, right? You, that he sent his son to come to this earth so you would get to know him, that you would have the power over all the stuff in your life, the fear and the anxiety, and that you would have security. God loves you so much that he sacrificed his son in order to make things right, in order that we would understand what forgiveness looks like. God loves us so much that he, re he removed all the fear of judgment. The Bible says he's prepared a place for us called heaven. That's where he wants us to go. That's what he's prepared for us. And God loves us so much that he doesn't want us to be a slave anymore to what holds us in our past. Now, I'm gonna ask you an honest question and only you can answer this. Have you had an experience with Jesus? I mean, really, an experience with Jesus. Not just go to church, not just walk an aisle. I'll be honest with you, not just go to a Sunday school or teach a Sunday school. Do you know Jesus? I want you to do me a favor. I want you to, I want you to go back to that one line. And I want you to think about that for a second and how that applies to you. It's not such a bad tree. It just needs a little love. A lot of us are just like this tree. The weight of the world has pulled the branches down. We're anorexic in our spiritual life. And God wants us to have one. He wants us to have life to the fullest. And the only way you can have that is by knowing who Jesus is. That's it. So I want you to bow your heads with me real quick. So put your kind of eyes to the ground. I want you to think where you're at right now. I think there's a lot of people in this room that had an experience at one point in their lives, but for some strange reason walked away. Maybe, maybe the weight of this world. Maybe it was a bad relationship. Maybe it was, maybe it was hurt. Maybe, maybe church hurts you. 
Don't, don't go through this Christmas season without experiencing, without experiencing Jesus. This conversation is not between you and your husband or your wife or your kids or your mom or dad. This, this is a conversation between you and the God of the universe, the one that sent his son, who stepped out of eternity. Where, where, where are you at with that, Jesus? Heavenly Father, right now in this moment, there's so many different groups of people. There's people that have never, ever crossed that spiritual line. And maybe today, because of a song or something that was said, they're crossing that spiritual line. They're not walking down an aisle. They're not filling out a card. But they're talking to the one right now that can change everything. Have that conversation. Tell, tell, tell him you want him to take his rightful place right now as number one. For others in this room, like I said before, maybe you had a relationship. Maybe, maybe it was flirt. Maybe it was amazing and then something happened. Maybe you just got out of the habit. Maybe, maybe even COVID had something to do with it. Maybe it was just easy to get caught up in not reading the Bible, not having conversation, not walking out. Today, start a new one. Have a conversation with him. Heavenly Father, right now, I'm thinking about all the promises in the Bible that happen when we experience you, when we really, really experience you. And so God, I pray that in this moment right now, right this very second, people are praying that prayer. People are having conversations with you. That they're experiencing you maybe for the very first time, knowing who you are. That after today, Christmas is gonna mean something brand new. They will never be the same because of this prayer. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So you know what Jesus does? He takes that anorexic tree and he turns it into something beautiful. Ephesians chapter two. You are God's workmanship created to do great works. Second Corinthians says you are a brand new creation the old is gone and the new has come. God has made you brand spanking new. Today, if you've made a decision, I'm gonna give something out that I don't normally give out, but I wanna hear from you. If you made a decision to follow Christ, maybe you've never made that decision before, or maybe you're re-giving or rededicating your life, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to, I want you to email me. It's bobbysmith at journeycommunity.net. B-O-B-B-Y, because I'm a dude, not B-O-B-B-I-E, okay? So B-O-B-B-Y, Smith at Journey Community and just put on there, Pastor Bobby, I said yes. Because I wanna help you out. I want, I want you to take some next steps. I wanna put you in some people, put you in touch with people that are gonna help you make those next steps that you will be a conqueror, not, 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 not conquered in your life. Because I want, and I believe that this is what God wants us to look like. He wants us to be something that we're proud of and he's proud of. There's one, one more thing, one more reason that I believe Jesus came to this earth. And I'm gonna go quick because I know everybody's got dinner to go to and all that kind of stuff. But I think this may be the most important one. I think Jesus came so we could, we could demonstrate love to the world we live in. He came to define what love is. He came so we can experience love. But bigger than all that, he wants us to demonstrate to the world that we live in. See, we live in a time, and I guarantee you everybody would agree with me, 
that it's almost fashionable to be mean to people. It's almost fashionable to argue. If you are a different political party or if you are a different, you know, kind of, you look differently or act differently, and it's become painstakingly personal. It used to be, when I was growing up, we would argue about politics or policy. And, and our politics may be different. Our, my, Andrew, our politics may be different, but I would, I would treat you with respect because you're a human being, that you're loved by God and you were created by God. And now what's happened? We've made it personal. We, we, we've made it attacks on people's character. And you know what kills me? I'll be watching a really good show. And I, I know you guys have seen this. You'll have a political commercial about how bad a person is. And then the next one is how good they are. And you don't know who to believe. And you know what's sad? It happens in the church world. I, I actually had a conversation with somebody just, just in the last couple of weeks. And they were talking about their church. Their pastor said something from their stage and they were really frustrated about it because they, they called contemporary churches. And if you don't know, we would probably be considered a contemporary church. But they were calling contemporary churches. He called them contemporary church atrocities. Like they're atrocious. They, God's not pleased with them. God's gonna judge them all. And the very reason that COVID came is because of churches like us to put us out of business so people go back to doing church another way. Now, he didn't know he was talking to me and he didn't know I made a vow that I wasn't gonna throat punch anybody anymore. So he was in good standings that day. I, I almost sinned, but I know where my forgiveness comes in, so I would have been fine, right? But we're sitting there and I thought about this. Somebody talks about your wife, they're fighting words, right? Right? Somebody talks about your wife, you don't care how big they are, you don't care what they look like, how many times, you're throwing down. Even if you lose, you're throwing down. Somebody talks about my wife. If we do that, or if other church people do that, we're talking about Jesus' bride. The church is his bride. It's the bride of Christ, it's who he died for. And so every time we talk about another church and we slam another church and we slam another pastor or whatever, we're talking about Jesus' bride. That just shouldn't happen. Here's what I've learned. We live in a hurting world. And the only way the hurting world's gonna be changed is if we love them back to life. Years ago, I used to tell a story it was about a little girl that was opening up all the presents and the dad said, which one's your favorite? And she showed him which one her favorite was and she had this brand new baby doll over there and don't you like this baby doll over here? And she kind of looked like, yeah, I like it, but it's not my favorite. And he said, baby, what's, what, which one's your favorite? Out of all the baby dolls you have, you have expensive, what's your favorite baby doll? And she grabbed him by the hand and took him back to the bedroom and reached down in that little toy box and reached way down in that toy box and she grabbed this this baby doll, and the dad's look was dumbfounded. He was, that one? And it was missing hair, and it, missing its eyes, and barely had any clothes on it. Like, baby, baby, you have all these expensive baby dolls. Why that one? And she said, Daddy, because if I don't love it, nobody will. And that's the world we live in, y'all. There's a world of hurting people. There's a world of trees that don't look that, they're just waiting for a little bit of love, and it's for us to demonstrate. This past week, like a lot of you, I went out to look at the Bethlehem star. How many people did that? Uneventful, wasn't it? 
Like I got out there, I was like, oh, okay, great. Let's go inside. Gina went out and we're like, oh, she, it's right over there. And I literally, I was in my, okay, guys, let's just be honest. Southwest, yep, I'm looking for Southwest. Like I need a roadmap into my backyard, right? So she's laughing at me. She goes, it's right there. No, no, wait, well, hold on. Oh, and I, oh, Southwest right there. Yeah, that's it. And I saw it and I went, hmm. That was worth the five minutes. And Gina went inside and she went back to her computer to work and I was outside messing around the garage. And I walked back outside and I had this moment, just to be honest, I had this moment. And I thought about, I thought about the story. I thought about, honestly, what Matthew chapter two, nine says, that after listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceeding. This could have been the same star that that's what maybe 2,000 years ago they saw. And you know what it did? It led them right to the place where Jesus was. Right, right to the place. Like it was really weird because after Gina went inside, I was standing out there and I walked back out and I couldn't find it because it moved. Well, actually, I moved. But it moved. And I was like, that's exactly what happened when the Magi were chasing after the star. They said it took them right to the place. Like they were walking this way for a day or two or three days, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden it moved in and took them right to the place. Over there. And I thought, oh my goodness, right to the place where Jesus was. And then it, then it hit me. God's called us to be stars. God's called us to be a bright light in the world that we live in that takes people right to the place where Jesus is. And, and I watched this happen this past week. 1983, a guy by the name of Charlie Ware took me to a church called Heightstown Church of God in New Jersey. And that day I asked Jesus to be my savior. And he was a bright light. He took me right to the place where Jesus was. Now he, he's pastoring a church up in Brentwood, um, Tennessee. And I mean, just amazing things. And, and I look back and I go, man, that's... And this past Sunday, I was here for first service when Pat was speaking and I went home and I got home and my sister and my dad texted me and said, hey, there's somebody here that wants to talk to you. Are you still around? And I said, no, I'm not around. And if you follow me on Facebook, you saw this. So I came back and it was my youth pastor from like 30 years ago. It was the guy that gave me a love for Jesus. It was the guy that gave me a love for his word and studying the Holy Scriptures. And we sat and talked for, I mean, probably two and a half hours we sat and talked. And we talked and reminisced about all these things. And he walked around and several of the staff saw us walking around and several of them texted me. There was this mutual just admiring of each other. Like I was admiring him because all he invested in my life, but he was walking around like he was a proud grandfather, a proud father going, look at what my son has done. And right before first service, I get a phone call and it's a 609 number. If you don't know what a 609 number, that's a Trenton, New Jersey number. And 609, and I thought it was a, a, one of those robocalls. And so I, was, I wasn't gonna take it. And I said, well, I mean, I don't know, like Trenton, New Jersey, that's my home. So I answer and, hey, this is Jerry. I'm like, hey, man. And he goes, I just want to tell you, I'm proud of you. And I'm praying for you. And I'm praying that God uses you in a big way when you tell him about our Savior this week. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me. And I literally wrote this at the bottom. I have an opportunity. You have an opportunity. Everybody in this room has an opportunity to demonstrate the love of God, to be a bright light in the world that we live in, to take people right to where Jesus is. And so a real question is, sometimes what happens is we stop hanging out with people like that. So, some, sometimes we, we lose, the Bible says, a city on a hill can't be hit, hidden. and says, saw his loss of saltiness. We've got to regain our saltiness for this world. God so loved this world that he gave his only son. And if it matters to God, it should matter to us. 
If it was good enough for Jesus to die for, it's good enough uh, us to live for out there in the world we're living in. And so the challenge today is this. Are you willing? We've defined love. We've experienced it. Are you willing to demonstrate it in the world? Are you willing to be a bright light in the world that we live in? Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.